Welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Mike Foreman, Senior Pastor of the First Baptist Church of Level Plains. For more information about Pastor Mike and the church, please visit our website at www.fbclp.life. Let's join Pastor Mike now as he shares from God's Word. This morning, let's think about the opposite. Let's think about truth for a minute. And listen to what the writer of Proverbs says to us in Proverbs 23, 23 about the truth. It says, buy the truth and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction in understanding. Buy the truth. Should there be a price tag on truth? In our world in which we're living in today, truth is a commodity. Because we're living in a world of, listen, (laughs) fake news, lying politicians, and I'm going to hit it where it hurts, deceptive pastors. I was reading an article just yesterday about a very popular church and about some of the stuff that the pastor has done and said at that church. I thought, Lord, help us. If that's a Baptist church and if that's true, Lord, help us. That we as pastors would sell out the truth and be deceptive with the truth so that we can draw crowds. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. See, as Jesus followers, I'm convinced, ladies and gentlemen, not only should we stand for his truth, but listen, as Jesus followers, we ought to be truth tellers. Amen? I'm not talking about the gospel. I'm talking about your life. You should be a truth teller. God, it says here in Proverbs 16, 17, hates a lying tongue. Literally, the word means this, to breathe out lies. God does not want us to breathe out lies. Isn't that an interesting word, by the way, when you begin to think that God's word is God breath. It's breathed out to us. Here's how the dictionary defines lying. A false statement made with deliberate intent to deceive. An intentional untruth, a falsehood. So I'm going to give you how I define it. Lying is anything that you say that is intended to lead a person to believe a falsehood. And you know, the thing about lying is it can take on many forms. I came across this article by uh, Eva, uh, I think as you say her name, Raker Smith. She wrote an article entitled this, When Someone is Lying, Seven Types of Lies. How do you know what people are doing? What kind of lies are out there? And she talked about seven. Let me just read them to you, and it'll just help us have a sort of a backdrop of what we're talking about this morning when we think about lying. First of all, there's error. You know, sometimes we make a lie by mistake, don't we? Sometimes we tell and we believe something to be truthful, and we tell it as truthful, but it's really a lie. Amen. Uh, a great example of this, I learned about 2013 when I was in some, doing some pastoral counseling. One of the things the counselor said to me is, Mike, did you, do you know anything about bats? And I said, well, the only thing I know about bats is that statement, blind as a bat. You know, when I grew up in New Jersey, you know, we, we used to have bats and we'd throw rocks up in the air and they would try to, you know, catch the, the rocks, you know, they thought, I guess they thought it was something on the radar and so they would dive down toward them. And, and I always believed, all my life, I believed that bats were blind. I believed that all my life. The reality is they're not. But I told my kids, bats are blind. I told my kids that. I lied to my kids. 
Because I was too dumb to look it up. I took somebody else's information for it, right? So I committed an error, but I didn't try to do that to deceive. So sometimes there is lies that we commit that we just don't know the full truth ourselves. And so we sort of propagate a lie. But then there is a lie of omission. Lying, she says, is when we leave out relevant information. It's easier and less risky, she says. It doesn't involve inventing any stories. It is a passive deception and less guilt is involved. That's not true what God's about to say to us. Restructuring is the the next lie. Distorting the context. Saying something in sarcasm. Changing the characters or altering the scene. There is lying by denial. (laughs) Refusing to acknowledge the truth. There's a lot of people who do that. The content, uh, she says, the content of denial can be quite large. They may be lying only to you just this one time, or they may be lying to themselves. How about minimization? Sometimes we lie by minimization, reducing the effects of a mistake or a fault or a judgment call. What about exaggeration? There is exaggeration that is representing something as greater or better or more experienced or more successful. You know, I've, I've come to understand that there are more and more pastors than I understood are lying on their resumes. They're saying more and more about themselves that are untrue on their own resumes. I attended this and this university or this and this seminary, and it's not true. They never did. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you try to get away with that. Everything is checkable these days. You can go online and see, but that's happening, folks. It's discouraging to me. But exaggeration, or sometimes we come across and sell ourselves as smarter, better than other people when we know the truth. And then there's fabrication, deliberately inventing a false story. A few years ago, I got a fortune cookie at the restaurant. I don't believe in fortunes, by the way. But I got a fortune cookie that I kept, the little paper inside. I kept it in my desk glass for a long time. But here's what Confucius says says that nobody has a good enough memory to be a consistent liar. Well, that's a powerful statement. That is so true because when you move into the area of lying, you have to have a good memory to be able to perpetuate the lie. And that's why those who are habitual liars continue to perpetuate story upon story upon story upon story because they can't even remember the truth themselves. So I want you to think about lying this morning and I want you to say, why is lying such a bad thing? Why is it that God hates lies? Why is it that it's an abomination to him? And I want you to write down, I only had three reasons, so I'm going to make it easy on you this morning, but the first one is simply this, that lying is the DNA of the devil. Lying is the DNA of the devil. Can I ask you a question this morning? Whose DNA is in your body? You know, I don't know about you, but I used to look at my parents and go, I hope I don't look like that when I'm their age. But you know what? The older I get, you know who I see in the mirror looking back at me is my oldest brother. Now, Tommy, I don't know if you go online and listen to this or not, but you're ugly. And I'm getting uglier and uglier the older I get. Because I look more and more like him every day. Amen? I do. Now, he's going to come down from New Jersey and get me. But anyway, the truth of the matter is you cannot, listen, you cannot escape your DNA. Well, when you and I lie... The reality is we are saying that the DNA that runs in us is the devil. You say, where do you get that from? Well, I'll tell you where I get it from. Jesus 
is having a conversation with some Jewish leaders. And these Jewish leaders are, are pretty upset with Jesus. They're, 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 they're trying to tell Jesus that they're more Jew than he is. And as they're having this conversation, here's, here's sort of their line of argument. They're saying, we have never been slaves to anybody. We are the sons of Abraham. And by nature, you know what that means. They're claiming that they're sons of God. And so Jesus responds, and here's how he responds in John 8, 44. He said, you are of your father, the devil. And the, and the desires of your father, you want to do. You're not children of Abraham. You're children of the devil, he says. For he, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Why? Because there is no truth in him. The DNA of the devil is he's a liar. And the Bible says there's no truth in him. Jesus himself said that. And he goes on and he says, and when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. The DNA of the devil is that he, when he opens his mouth, is speaking a lie like politician. No, I'm just teasing. Not all of them lie, by the way. But the reality is that's his DNA. That's who he is to his core. And he has been that way ever since he tried to usurp the throne of God. And ever since he was cast to the earth, and ever since he whispered into the ear of Eve, and he said, you won't surely die. He has been whispering in the ears of men and women, say this, believe this. And it's been a lie. It's been a lie. And sometimes we listen, and we believe the lie. But that's who Satan is. No wonder God hates lying. It's the DNA of the devil. And by the way, who wants to be lumped in with the devil? I don't want to be, but can I be honest? That there's times that I've told lies that I've been lumped in with him. There's times where you've told lies and you've been lumped in with him. Why? Because that's who he is. And that's his DNA. And when we act like that, we express that DNA is in us. That's sad, isn't it? That's scary, <laughs> Really is what it is. But the opposite is true. When we tell the truth, guess what? We are expressing the DNA of God because God is truth. I love what the Bible says, Numbers 23, 19. Listen to what it says. God is not a man that he should lie. God does not lie. I love what Paul says in Titus chapter one. Paul opening up Titus says, Paul, a bondservant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect. And he says, the acknowledgement of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, listen to what he says, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Isn't that incredible? God cannot lie. Why? Because there is nothing of imperfection in God. He is perfect. No deceit. No falsehood. No sin is found in him. I don't know if you know this or not, but all truth stems from the heart and the mind of God. I don't care if it's two plus two equaling four, it stems from God. Listen, you cannot twist two plus two and make it something else. But all truth comes from God. I love what one commentator said. Listen carefully. He said, truth is also ontological. Now that's a theological word and all it means is this, is that it's saying that 
Um, it's a fancy word of saying uh, that it is the way things really are. So the way things really are, listen to the reality. Reality is what it is because God declared it to be so, made it so. Therefore, God is the author, the source, the determiner, the governor, the arbiter, and the ultimate standard and final judge of all truth. Think about that. When we stand up and we ask what is truth, we need to go back to the Bible. We need to go back to the word of God. We need to search the mind and the heart of God because he is the author of it all. And by all things, it will be judged by him. Amen? So he, by his DNA, is truth. So let me ask you a question. Whose DNA are you reflecting? I'm not saying for tomorrow. I'm saying right now, if you had to say, whose DNA am I reflecting? Whose DNA are you reflecting today? If you're living a lie, if you're walking a lie, if you're telling lies, listen, you are reflecting the DNA of the devil. But if you're standing on the truth and you're walking in the truth, then you are reflecting the DNA of the Father. Who do you reflect today? Second thing I want you to write down is this. Not only is lying the DNA of the devil, but second thing you need to understand is lying is the real hate speech. We hear a lot about hate speech today, don't we? I mean, you cannot say anything about anything today unless it's hate speech. And and unfortunately, even they're taking the truth of the word of God and they're making some of that hate speech. Now listen to me loud and clear. I am not preaching politics. So if if you're in a political mind right now, just get out of it because I'm not talking about politics right this moment. I'm talking about the facts. Amen? I'm talking about the facts that Jesus said that the world would hate us because they hated him. So that's why they don't like the Bible. And that's why they dub it sometimes as hate speech. It's not a political thing with me. It, what it is with me, it's a, it's a religious thing. It's a thing where by which they don't like Jesus, so they ain't going to like me. So the things that come out of my mouth are going to be labeled as hate speech. And I'm not necessarily talking about just some of the social agenda issues that we're dealing with. There are a lot of things. Like if you say Jesus is the only way, they'll say that's hate speech. Let me tell you something. It's not hate speech. It's the truth. But you get the point of where I'm going this morning with this. And so it's the real hate speech. So I want you to understand, how do I get to that place? Well, listen to Proverbs 26, 28. The same writer of of Proverbs 6 says this, A lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it. And a flattering mouth ruins people or works ruins. I want you to think about that. A lie. When you tell a lie, it is... Remember our definition? Lying is anything that is intended to lead a person to believe a falsehood. You remember that? So what are we doing when we're lying? We're hating other people because what we're doing, we're leading them down a wrong path. Do we really want to do that? Do we really want to be that kind of person? I don't think so. It's an obvious violation, right, of the ninth commandment, thou shalt not lie. But it's an obvious violation of the greatest commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself, right? It's hateful. It's not intended for good. It's intended for evil. It's not intended for somebody's betterment. It's intended to lead them down the wrong path. We're going to talk about the tension of lying in a minute, but I want you to write this verse down on the side of your margin. Ephesians 4.25, listen to what Paul says to the Ephesian church. Therefore, put away lying. Here's, here's what we get as a violation of the second commandment. Put away lying and let each one of you speak the truth to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Amen. See, what, he, what does he remind us of? He reminds us of the fact that when I am telling lies, I am hurting other people, and those other people are us, right? Even in the church, when we begin to tell lies, we're hurting one another in the church. We shouldn't be hurting anyone, None, you know, anyone out there. But certainly 
Paul writing to the church. Isn't that something we've got to tell the church? Quit lying. Quit telling lies in church. So lying is, lastly, as we think about lying here, and we're still talking about the, the fact that, that lying is the real hate speech. You know, we talked about being the, the DNA, but the reason, too, as we think about hate speech, we think about lying, is because it, it, it comes from, and why Paul has to write to the, the church is because it comes out of the old nature. You know, so it is the DNA of the devil, but it's also this old man. You remember the old man, new man in the Bible? The old man is that which is trapped, right? The old man is that which is in sin. Remember, we're all born in sin. We all have a sin nature. That's the old man that's in us. So when you're born and I'm born into the world, the, the sin of Adam is our sin. And we, we receive that and we take that out upon ourselves. And we, we become sinners because of the nature of sin we have the old man. What happens at the cross of Calvary is Jesus died to pay the debt for all that, right? And Jesus rose from the dead. Now let me tell you what happens, right? When you and I repent of our sin and faith in Christ, what happens is the old man is eradicated. It's killed. You and I are set free from the bondage of sin. The old man is killed, been crucified on the cross with Christ. We become a new creature in Christ. We are given this new nature. We are new men. We are new on the inside. The, the problem is, though, there are times in our life when we want to act like the old man. We're new, but we want to act like the old. And so Paul has to write to the Colossian church. Listen to what he says to the church at Colossae. He says these words in chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. He says, do not lie to one another. He says, why? Because since you put off the old man with his deeds. That's the old lifestyle. That's when we were bound in sin. That's what we used to do, he says. And have put on this new man who is renewed in the, in the knowledge according to the image of him that is Christ who has created him. So you and I are to not lie because, listen, that's not the reflection of a new life. That's a reflection of the old life. And... It's the true hate speech. <laughs> and so you want to know what hate speech is? It's lying. So the question I ask first is, what DNA, what character are you reflecting? Are you reflecting God's character or the devil's character? The second question I would ask you is this. Are you reflecting the old man or the new man? Are you walking as the new man or are you walking as the old man? And then lastly, we sort of ended here with pride. And I'm going to end here with lying. And that is that lying is punishable by God. God's going to punish all lies. You're saying, oh, really? Well, listen to Proverbs 19.9. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies shall perish. The psalmist said it this way in Psalm 101.7. He who works deceit shall dwell within, or shall not dwell within my house, and he who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Folks, that's scary. And you know what? And people say, you know what? I'm a Christian. God's not going to punish lying. Okay. Go to Acts chapter 5. <laughs> In Acts chapter 5, verses 3 to 5, there's a man named Ananias who comes and he places some money at the disciples' feet. And he has sold some property. He places the money there. And, he, and the idea that when he brings the proceeds from selling land, that he's telling the church, that it's all the money I got. So I sold the property for $5,000. Here's $5,000. In reality, he sold it for ten and kept five and gave five to the church. But he made it seem like he was giving everything. No doubt because of pride in his heart. No doubt he saw other people giving money and they were being recognized like Barnabas. And so he thought he wanted to be recognized. So he lied. And he gets confronted because the Holy Spirit of God lets Peter in on, Peter on the truth. And Peter says, you lied. And what happens to him? 
The Bible says he fell over dead. Christian, can I tell you? God's not going to let you get away with lying either. Amen? You may say, well, I told a lie last week. I didn't die. Well, it doesn't mean God lets you get by with it. <laughs> There's a day of reckoning, my friend. You're going to stand before Jesus one day, and you're going to give an account of what you did in the body, whether good or bad. You're going to give an accounting of that. Jesus said this. He said, we're going to be held accountable for every careless word we say. Think about that. That's scary, folks. So I want to take a, and hit the pause button a minute because some of you are astute. Some of you are very smart Bible scholars. And, and I sort of want to hit the pause button a minute because I know what some of you are thinking in your minds right now. Well, wait a minute. I know of two stories in the Bible where people lied and they got away with it. And it almost seemed like they were actually blessed for lying. And so I sort of want to address that this morning. It's a little bit of situational ethics and, and I sort of tread going here because I don't want to be on shaky ground this morning. I certainly don't want to make the Bible say anything that the Bible does not say, but you have to address two people, really three people in the Bible. So first of all, I want you to think about Exodus chapter one. Just write it down. Don't go there right now, but Exodus chapter one, there are two women that are midwives and these two women, um, uh, one is um, uh, Sapphira and the other is Pua and these women are midwives and here's their orders by the king of Egypt. He says that when the women, the Israelite women begin to have boy babies, I want you to kill them as soon as they're born. I want you to just, you know, destroy them. There's abortion at its finest. So I want you to do that. And so the Bible says that they didn't listen to the king. And the reason why they didn't listen to the king is because they feared God. And so the Bible says that they let the, the little boys live. And so the king brings them back and says, why did you let them live? And they give this excuse. They say, well, you know, the, the Israelite women are different than the women of Egypt. And they have their babies too fast. So by the time we get there, they've already had these babies. And, you know, it gives all this excuse. And the Bible says, down at the end of the chapter, it says that God blessed them because they feared him and gave them families of their own. Then there is the story in Joshua chapter 2, write it down, of Rahab. Rahab is a harlot who lives in Jericho. And the Bible says that as the spies come into the land, and they, they came to her place, her residence, and she hid them. And when they came looking for them, she lied about where they went. And she hid the spies. And the Bible obviously made it, made it very clear that what happened when the town is destroyed, guess who gets to live? Rahab and her family gets blessed. As a matter of fact, you may not remember, but she's in the line of Jesus. You may not remember that in Hebrews chapter 11 in the hall of faith, she's listed in the hall of faith in verse 31. And so it looks like, and it appears that there are two situations in which two people or three people lied rather, and God blessed them. So is it situational ethics? Well, I just want to answer that because I want to break the tension in the room because I don't ever want us, first of all, to go to an Old Testament story or any story in the Bible and go, well, see, it's obvious that God blessed them so I can get away with certain lying. And that's not true. Okay? That's not what's being taught in the Bible. So here's what I want to say. I want to say two things about those stories. And then I promise we'll be coming towards the end of the sermon. But the first thing I want to say, to say to you is this. In both of those cases, it appears to me, as I read the text, that the lying is the lesser of the evils of the other. In other words, for example, when you look at the lie versus if they told the truth, death would come. Babies would be killed, right? But would be slaughtered. Or in this case, the spies who were God's people would have been destroyed, right? 
it appears that if you're going to make any case whatsoever that lying is blessed and good, if you're going to make any case of that whatsoever, you would have to say that it's in extreme circumstances of life-death situations. If you're going to say lying's okay. For example, we would find this in modern day where Jew, uh, Jews were hidden by some others because of the Nazis. As a matter of fact, Corey Tim Boom tells a story of some folks that hid some Jews in their house underneath the kitchen table. And when the, when the Nazis would come and say, we know you're hiding Jews, where are you hiding them? And they would just say, under the kitchen table. And they would laugh at them and make fun of them and they would leave. But literally there was some Jews hiding under there. Others obviously would lie about saying, no, we're not hiding anybody. They had secret compartments in their house where they would hide Jews. And so there would be extreme, extreme instances, if that was the case, by which there's lying. However, point two I want to make is this. There is nowhere in the scripture that I've ever read, that I've ever seen, that I've ever heard, by which God, number one, condemns their lying. In other words, God doesn't say they lied, that was wrong. I don't care what the circumstances was, God never said they lied, it's wrong. The second thing I want you to understand is that God never, never says they lied and that was good. So God doesn't condone it or condemn it, right? We see nothing in the Bible. However, what does God pick up on? What does God say about these three women? Well, first of all, what God says about the two midwives is simply this, that they feared him. It says nothing about they lied and that was a good thing and saved all these babies. Didn't say anything about that. Just said that they feared God. And God is going to honor those who fear him. Amen. What does it say about Rahab? Well, if you go into Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, you have to say that what God says about her is simply this, is that she showed hospitality to the spies who came in the land. And God blesses her for her hospitality and her faith. There is nothing that says God blessed her because she lied. So even if there are extreme circumstances, we cannot say God blesses that. Amen? So don't ever go into the Bible and pull those out and go, well, see, there's obviously some times where lying is a good thing. And the whole reason, by the way, that Tori, uh, uh, Corey Tim Moon told that story that I share with you because she said that lying is wrong. And she said that what those people did is they told the truth and they were still able to hide people. Okay? So let's not play situational ethics with the Bible and let's not try to convince ourselves, well, in some cases it's right, in some cases it's wrong. The Bible says, what does it say in, Hebrew, or in, in Proverbs 6? It says, God hates, it's an abomination of God, a lying tongue. There's where we make our stand. Amen? And we do not lie. Period. Does that make sense? You with me? Say amen. amen. All right. Did I, did I lose you on the rabbit trail? I wasn't trying to chase a rabbit, but I wanted us, there's some astute people in here, some smart folks, and... I just wanted to challenge your thinking a little bit this morning if you knew those texts. So as we conclude the sermon this morning, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Whose character are you showing and demonstrating today? Are you reflecting God's character or Satan's character? Let me ask you a question. Are you acting like the old man or the new man? In other words, are you telling the truth or are you lying? You know, the only remedy that I know for lying is not to just start telling the truth. It's to repent first 
and then start telling the truth. You have to deal with lying that's in your life. And you have to repent and say, God, this is wrong, and I'm going to tell the truth, and I'm going to be committed to tell the truth. And we today, listen, I read a statistic, I told my Sunday school class this morning, I read a statistic that every person every day is lied to 20 to 200 times a day. Now, I don't know how true that is. I'm just telling you what the writer said that was talking about lying. And it is a great possibility that that may be the case, but I don't want to make an error and say it's true. I don't really know. I never did the homework myself. But I'm just here to tell you that we today need to be committed that we're not going to be the ones doing the lying. Amen? Why? Because lying, lying is the DNA of the devil. Lying demonstrates that I really hate people and not like them. And listen, lying is going to be punished by God. And I don't know about you, I got enough to account for. I don't want to add lying to my list. Let's pray together. So Father, there's some here today. Thank you for listening today. And remember, you can find more information about Pastor Mike and the church at our website, www.fbclp.life.